0: As we've scaled, the biggest thing is about how do I impart this knowledge, this blueprint, this formula to my team to then be able to administer what has constituted the success of Thousand Mile. <laughs>
1: Welcome, travel friends, to our little club that we've got people joining all the time. We have just hit five thousand downloads for this podcast since we launched. If you can hear, if you hear those strange noises in the background, that is—I'm Richard Taylor, by the way—and this is
2: AC Jones woohooing in the background for our five thousand downloads. So exciting!
1: Yes, and we do not take that for granted. We know you're busy, and Never. we thank you for taking the time out to listen to our podcast. Very grateful. Um, Now, we have our major sponsor in Numinous Luxury Travel Representation. That's coming up. We've got an exciting competition to mention there. Mm. We'll keep that under wraps just for the moment. And we're announcing a new partnership with Hong Kong Tourism. So how this is going to work is that during the interview, there will be a two-minute section on Hong Kong. And we'll be talking about that later on. So feedback from the last episode, Ace?
2: Oh, it was overwhelming. I mean, I knew AG was a bit bigger than the legend he says he was in his sock drawer, but it was, to me, astounding, the the feedback that we'd gotten on all social media that he'd received himself. We had a really lovely comment from Sarah Webster on one of Richard's socials that he will read out now, which I think encapsulates all of the feedback that we received. Yes, I've
1: got, I've got that. She said, I thoroughly enjoyed this episode. And then in brackets, although I always enjoy your podcast, I think she's trying to avoid going on notice. So she said she always <laughs> listens. And it was lovely to get to know more about AG and his business after only seeing his photo everywhere for years. I really appreciated his dry sense of humor and insightful take on the travel industry today.
2: Yeah, I would concur with that for sure. And then also, we also got a lot of lovely feedback from The doyen of the travel industry, Helen Eves, with Tauk and her fantastic brand. We all learned so much um, about Tauk in that last episode. Some really great comments. Sarah Webster also said, Helen Eves was a delight as always mm. and a great ambassador for a fantastic brand. Mm. She loved how we had two guests representing multi-generational travel businesses, which I hadn't really put to no, together No, I did. That's on. why
1: I put them together, yes.
2: Ah, because yes. you are clever like that. Mm. And then Craig Owens, who's a bit of a legend in the industry as well, had a lovely comment. Helen Eves was amazing, so interesting to listen to, always engaging and makes me smile. Mm. So, thank you, Craig, and I agree.
1: The lady you mentioned before about a lady called Kaz and her husband.
2: Oh, work wife, yes. So, Carolyn Evans is a smart flyer advisor, has a beautiful business, and her and her husband, Neil, went away for a weekend to a 60th, and the potty dropped on Sunday. Carolyn told me that they listened to it on their drive on the way back from this event that they'd been to. Neil, husband, is not a member of the travel community. He is just one of our long-suffering partners that gets to hear about everything 24-7, listened in, chuckled at all the right moments, obviously loved hearing AG's story, and completely loved us putting people on notice, Richard. How good's that? Good.
1: Good. Good. Lovely segue because we've got some people to put on notice this week, listeners. Uh, The first one is Carsten Horn. Mm -hmm. Carsten is from Reho Travel in Melbourne Uh, Many people will know him It's a big business They do a lot of stuff in the education space Study tours But also corporate and leisure as well They're also a B Corp Which he loves to tell you about I think we might have to get him on one day To talk about sustainability Because one day, Ace I do want to talk about sustainability And how that message gets through to the customers We hear it lots from the suppliers I want to see how that reaches the travellers Anyway, I digress Mm. Uh, but he was driving to meet Alex Oblashuk, who herself is on notice, and they realised that they both have the You Project, whatever that is, at number one in their podcast list, i.e. we're not number one. So he's mm. on notice uh, for
2: that. Well, I think he's like, that's, a, that's a pretty soft on notice. I mean, I have seen him shamelessly hustling on your comments, saying, this podcast has now moved into my top ten, yes. ha, 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 yes. ha. And I think... Um,
1: this is, I think this could be a bit controversial. I think he wants to be on notice. He wouldn't be the first. Okay, so so what's your verdict?
2: How do I? I don't know. When people want to go on notice, I just immediately don't want to mm. put them on notice. Mm. But I think
1: let's do it on notice. Done. Okay, this is serious business. And the other one is Margaret Scott. Okay. And uh, Margaret came up to me the other night and said, "Oh, I didn't know you had a podcast." Actually, I shouldn't do that women's uh, voice thing. I should just go, oh, I didn't know you had a podcast. And I listened to the first one yesterday, she said, or the one with Anthony Goldman. I loved it, she said. And she said, I listened to the whole thing. And I even went back and listened to the part where I fell asleep.
2: (laughs) Oh, dear. Yep. Okay. This is becoming a recurring theme,
1: Mm. Margaret. No. Uh, And I want to also mention that she said, I also took you into the shower. Which was yeah.
2: oh both like the podcast
1: uh, uh, yes yes okay wow. which is weird I've got well, witnesses. I'm
2: kind of oh <laughs> well that I don't know I'm torn on this one as well she should be on notice for falling asleep but then we were obviously engaging enough for her to take into the shower <laughs> and the so first time listener maybe
1: we don't put her on notice what do you
2: think Yeah no I'm ambivalent I think Margaret gets a free pass this week but if she falls asleep again. Yeah. Definitely yeah, without
1: un- doubt. Notice. Okay, and then offloading—that's the name of our podcast. Of course. Yeah. What's the uh, subject for you this week, Ace?
2: Well, okay, so events are coming to mind. I think it's because I've just come through what I call attack of the reps. It's two months of the year: February and November. I don't know. Every man and his dog seems to be in Sydney. She's actually got her hands
1: over her eyes while she's talking. I'm so, yeah.
2: I'm so tired. I'm so tired. Um, So well-fed, so inebriated with beautiful wines and the rest of it while people are touting their product. However, you send a lovely invite out, please RSVP here, and you click a button. Can you please have a yes and a no button? Because if there's no no button and I can't go, I'm not going to respond. And then there comes the follow-up email into my inbox saying, just for seeing if you got this, yes, I did got it and I read it and I opened it and I clicked but there was no no button and because I'm not going, I did an RSVP. So just make it easy. RSVP, yes, I can come, no, I can't come. Some people do that and it's very good. I would say 80, 73% don't have the no, I can't attend. Make it easy for us, make it for yourself, easy for yourself. You don't want to be following us up. So just yes or no, done. I think that's it. And if we can't go, just be gracious about it because we're all busy. We have got stuff we're juggling. Have you ever
1: heard of first world problems?
2: Yeah, yeah, I know. Well, that's what I, I always offload about first world problems.
1: <laughs> that's my shtick. Yeah, true. That is, that, actually, you're right. I'll offload briefly about uh, events, and that's event pricing—the ones that charge. I just, oh my god, I've seen I know. the, I've seen the prices of these things go up. What, what, what? There's a cost of living crisis out there. What's going on?
2: Oh, I mean, but look, okay. So I'll be devil's advocate on that. Obviously, the event space, the speaker, everything has gone up in cost. So the event pricing has gone through the roof. But I think when your travel event is more than a Taylor Swift ticket,
1: <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much. You, yeah, probably, need to, you
2: probably need to. you probably need to have a Have a think. Have a word about with yourself. I, I personally can't afford those those big ticket mm. events
1: that are on at the mm. moment. So no, yeah, all right, I get it. Move on, uh <laughs> let's talk about uh, our guest today, who is Nicola Veltman, someone I didn't know previously. you didn't know very well that's not, often we interview people we do know, or well, one of us does, but this is a bit different, wasn't it?
2: Yeah, I know, I think we were both coming in i would have, I would say I was a bit warmer to Nick than you were, like as warmer as in closer. Nick and I met in a bathroom a couple of years ago at Virtuoso Week and then became. LinkedIn friends, and obviously her business was intriguing. We talk about this in the interview anyway, but yeah, so I knew a little bit about Mick. I love the name A Thousand Mile Travel, mm-hmm. love it. It's so um, I, I, even from that. I just wanted to deep dive into yeah, that. So I,
1: I could, I could talk about this for quite a while, but it's absolutely fascinating business model that I haven't seen before. I'm not sure exists no. out there, so I won't ruin it for you. I reckon we get straight to it, don't you, Ace?
2: Yeah, totally. I think it's a nice chunky interview she's a great lady really really fantastic rank on tour and i think people are going to be quite surprised i think there'll be a lot of preconceptions about what a thousand mile travel group is and does and we both walked away from that interview with a completely different understanding and perspective on what that particular
1: business is about which is intriguing all right well let's get to it first of all a word from numinous Well, this is a very exciting announcement from our Series 2 sponsor, Numinous Luxury Travel Representation.
2: It's very exciting, RT. It's just a competition with a spectacular prize.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yes, after last week's episode, we... You may remember we mentioned a couple of our own numinous moments whilst traveling. We had the brainwave of asking you, our listeners, to tell us about your own numinous moments. And the team at Numinous Luxury Travel Representation were so excited about this idea, they came up with a prize to incentivize you to get in touch and share your numinous moments with us. And what an incentive it is. I know, Richard.
2: It's so exciting. I'm going to lower my voice to tell everybody what it is.
1: This is your travel advisor selling the dream voice. That's exactly
2: right. How does three nights in a stunning, gorgeous five-star resort in the Maldives sound? Yes, the prize is three nights at Joali being in the Maldives for two people, twin share and included is half board and return seaplane transfers from Malay Airport for the winning entry. And I'm going to put a disclaimer here. It's not for every entry, sadly. So for those not familiar with this wonderful place, get Google out and type in Joali, and I'm going to spell that phonetically, (laughs) Juliet Oscar, Alpha Lima India, and just see what pops up. Joali being, in capitals, is the one that you're after. It's gorgeous.
1: So we have a couple of ways to enter The first is the old school email and the other is on the new fancy pants Instagram thing that I don't really know much about. But to use Instagram, what you need to do is upload an image of your Numinous Moment to Instagram with a little story. Mm -hmm. Follow and tag both at Numinous Luxury Travel Rep. That's R-E-P at the end and at offloaded.podcast and use the hashtag numinous moments so we can find your entry and i should mention that this will all be in the show notes how to spell everything so i'm not going to do it phonetically because i probably will get it wrong (laughs) and the second way to enter is to email your numinous moments story to offloaded at travelcommunityhub.com
2: all entries need to be 150 words or less it's that easy there are quite a few t's and c's that will be able to be found on the Travel Community Hub website. But really, the major things that you need to know is that it's open to Australian and New Zealand frontline advisors. The second thing that you need to know is that you can enter up to five times, a maximum four times on Instagram. So please upload four different images with your hashtag numinous moments and maximum once via email. Also, you have up until the 30th of June 2024 to enter.
1: Right. So we're not allowing people to chuck in like a hundred business cards. We'll police those Instagram entries, will we Ace? That's exactly
2: right. Team Numinous will be the judges and adjudicators of all the hashtag Numinous
1: moments. Okay. And what about people who aren't advisors? I mean, I always think of people like me and many of my friends, we never get to win these things. What do we win? Nothing. That's it. Sorry,
2: darling. Frontline advisors only. That's the rules.
1: Okay, we'll fix something with our next uh, prizes too. Yeah, we can do that. that. We can a, definitely do one. Well. A non-advisor prize.
2: Okay, we'll yes. tra- you, I'll let you hustle for that.
1: Okay, great. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> quick one, what is a Numinous Moment? Let's have a quick example from each of us.
2: Well, my most recent hashtag Numinous Moments was from my recent trip to New York last November and I splurged, and it was a splurge, on a helicopter arrival transfer from JFK to downtown Manhattan. It was pretty much the biggest wow arrival I've ever had into a city. The timing of it was my flight arrived in at 4.30 in the afternoon. As I jumped into the helicopter transfer, it's only 10 minutes by chopper into downtown Manhattan, and the sun was setting and the whole of New York was glowing. It was spectacular, a real hashtag numinous moments.
1: How about you, Richard? Yes, mine, uh, I had a bit of a think about this. Mine was sipping a mojito. On the deck, Ooh. yes, of the deck of a celestial cruise that I was on in 2022, leaving uh, one of the Greek islands, watching regular people queue for the ferry.
2: Regular people. You weren't a regular person that day.
1: Just for that moment, I was someone's important and special.
2: That was your hashtag numinous moment. It was. <laughs> oh, I love that. So, I think we need to move on to the very important part of this little spiel, It's your turn to tell everybody the official bit.
1: Yes. So, Numinous Luxury Travel Representation offers a boutique approach to dynamic sales and marketing needs with a focus on luxury travel and lifestyle. So, if you're a hotelier, a villa company, or a DMC looking to get the very best in representation in Australia or New Zealand, you really need to get in touch with the team at Numinous. And there is a contact sheet on their website, numinousltr.com. Nicola, hi. Hi, Richard.
2: Hi, Nicola. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you, AC.
1: Welcome, welcome. Now, we always start with this. We've, we've done a little introduction to you in the pre-show, but in your own words, who are you and what do you do?
0: I'm Nicola Veltman. Everyone can call me Nick, and that's what I'm known by affectionately. I'm the co-founder and global CEO for 1,000 Mile Travel Group. Amazing. And Nick and
2: I met, gosh, was it three or four years ago now in Las Vegas at Virtuoso Week? Yeah. Very briefly in a nightclub, we were introduced to each other and then had a little chat in the bathroom at the toilet. So all the best connections are made in the ladies'
1: bathrooms, as we've discussed before. Again, again, this is that women's network thing, isn't it?
2: Absolutely. And then we connect over over LinkedIn pretty much straight away after that event. And then I wanted to have you on as a guest on our show, because what I had noticed from that LinkedIn connection was the remarkable trajectory and growth that 1,000 Mile has taken over the last few years. It's been quite extraordinary. Well, thank you. I I know that you've gone global and that you've got a pretty huge IC network, Mm -hmm. um, but there's always an origin story, which we love. And can you take me back to where the idea around a thousand miles started, or even pre that, you know, because everybody loves to know about where they've come from within
0: the industry? Yeah, 100%. Uh, so, my husband, Ben and I, so Ben Ross, he's my co-founder. So we are those people that decided husbands and wives should have a business together, you know, crazy or not. But we both started in the travel industry in Flight Centre. I was 21, he was 25, but we didn't know each other for probably, I don't know, another five years or so. I think we crossed paths a couple of times. we worked out, but never actually met. Uh, So long story short, I guess fast forwarding to around about 2011, we'd both already been in the corporate world for quite some time. Ben had been running multiple teams in Australia and I'd also been running teams in the UK quite successfully and I then moved into the learning and development space and looked after the training for about 5,000 people. So really, really enjoyed that. But I guess, you know, we both decided to leave at a similar time for different reasons. I set up my own training business and Ben was just sort of at a bit of burnout and wanted to see what else was out there. So he ended up joining another host agency, but it was quite early days for host agencies then, in all fairness. Like even though they'd been around in Australia, maybe for like a good decade, decade and a half, they weren't as established as what maybe they are now in the Aussie market and he was the first corporate to move over to this host agency in a leisure platform. And he'll always say best three years of his life, much to my dismay and everything. but um you know, had a really great time earning really great money, had an amazing lifestyle, went from twelve to fifteen hours a day to basically working two to three hours a day, playing tennis, working from Bali three months of the year. So really, really great lifestyle he had quite a lot of people ask him how he was doing, what he was doing. And he then realized that what he was creating was something that other people wanted as well. And he actually wanted to help them do it. So I say at that host agency, it worked until it didn't because he was a corporate in a leisure platform and it, it then started to become unstuck. So He then went out there researching again to try to find a solution and the solution just didn't exist. He was trying to find how he could run a corporate business within a corporate platform, working from himself and working from anywhere. But what he found was that he was either going to end up working for someone else again, or he'd end up in the same situation in a leisure host agency. And with that, he wasn't going to be able to be competitive in the corporate market. So that was how the idea was born. I've read it a little bit that it was around a kitchen table and, yeah. you know, you've got
2: this really great, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's the fireside story. It's the elevator pitch to
0: people. Yeah, absolutely. So I guess Ben's I call him the ideas man and then I have to work out how to implement it. That's kind of like our tango that that we have together. But yeah, it started off, it was the two of us around a kitchen table. We had a name, Thousand Mile Travel Group, which we brainstormed quite a bit to get there. Uh, there are a few names taken already, but I guess we landed at 1,000 Mile Travel Group because, well, number one, people may or may not realize, but they do when they look at a directory, but it's actually before any other name, because it's a number, not a letter. Okay. Oh, wow. love that. Clever. Always, yeah, so we always come up first, which is kind of handy. And then the other reason is as well, because we want our travel advisors and our clients and our valued partners, you know, everybody that takes the first step. We see it like a journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. And For us, if you take the first step, to us it's the beginning of a long journey to come. So that was really how and why the name was born and that term or phrase journey is a really big one that is still heavily cemented within the Thousand Mile culture and everything that we do. So we kind of see it as you're not here for a short time, you're here for a long time. (laughs) I
2: love all, uh, yeah, it's really quite inspiring. And can I ask though, I mean, obviously your life partners. I know you've got a family mm. as well that's pretty much come around at the same time. Yeah. You seem obviously a very, very tight unit. You know, how yeah. How hard is it to disassociate from the business with your family life? Yeah, that's a really good question.
0: Or is um, it just enmeshed? Is it like a, a work-life integration? I think so, to be fair. It's been nine years now actually this week and oh, wow. yeah, nine years tomorrow since we opened the doors around that kitchen table and everything and our eldest daughter is turning nine this year so you can kind of do the maths and everything um I was Mm. pregnant when we opened the doors with our first child but I, I think the big thing is is that we've it's been really big to create boundaries And boundaries that work for us and i I do talk to our travel advisors about that as well every person is unique every person's different every marriage is different every family is different and you've got to work out what works for you and so as the business has grown as our family has grown as as ben and i have grown as husband and wife i mean we have lunch together most days we Quite like having lunch together even though we work together you still <laughs> like each other <laughs> you actually kind of like each other a little bit you know um and things Love like that. that but um you know sometimes when we go for lunch we we might have a business meeting which isn't like a, a structured meeting but we have a business meeting and other times we just chat as husband and wife so i think it comes in ebbs and flows and we've just kind of found that rhythm where it works
1: yeah let's talk about the independent contractor model i just want to get some acronyms out of the way before we carry on because we do have students who listen so we'll refer to them as ics i'm sure that the term ic will come up along the way Mm -hmm. so that's what we're talking about independent contractors i.e agents or advisors who work uh, on their own usually within a group and that's what you guys do of course so talking about the future of those i mean ac does refer to Dean Long's comment of a couple of years ago about ICs being the future of the industry of course times are moving and they've been around for a long time but you say that the future is here don't you?
0: Yeah I do I think well a couple of things one you know we sort of spoke about host agencies in Australia not being as mature how many years ago now maybe like 20 years ago Mm -hmm. but then in the US host agencies have been around for a lot longer. So I think it depends on what market you're in around the world and so forth. But no, it definitely is here to stay. I think for those of us that were in that work from home or what we like to call work from anywhere model is that I think for lack of talking about COVID again, it amplified the model. Everybody Had to either work from home or work from somewhere else, and I think what it did, especially in the corporate space, which as part of our DNA, is that it really put it on the map for businesses. And I think some of our clients in corporates were like, "Oh, yeah, this works for me." Prior to COVID, now since COVID, it's really embraced and it's welcomed, and it's something where they can they go, "Oh, okay." I think it's a model of the future and it's definitely here to stay. And I think that what COVID did was amplify it even more or sort of put it on steroids, so to speak. Mm.
2: It seems the corporates are embracing
0: more of a less
2: stitched up way of doing business as well because they're at home as well. Not all of them, but a lot of them, a lot of your clients would be working from home as well.
0: Yep. For sure. I think that there's there's a really big hybrid that goes on and it's different in different regions in the world and things like that. But yeah, 100%, like, you know, it's very normal to be able to, I think prior to COVID, we used to have a lot of client meetings in person, right? And I'm sure a lot of other companies will attest to this, travel companies and even other industries. The time it took for your salespeople to get to a meeting, present, And then get back to the office you might have time for a meeting two meetings a day whereas now it's quite rare to actually go into a client's office it's not unheard of but you can probably fit in five six meetings a day so I think the productivity is there as well from not only our side from the travel industry side but also from the client side too.
2: Yeah 100% Mm. I have also noticed that when talking to you about thousand mile travel group and your guys, you've almost developed your own language Mm -hmm. as a part of your culture and your ethos. Mm. And I love that you call your guys travel experts and that everyone's on a journey and you've got to work from anywhere philosophy. Mm. And it seems like culture is a very, very important to both you and Ben Mm. in this. And it's potentially what is attracting both the clients and your travel experts to you. Mm. Is that a fair comment? Yeah, fair I yeah,
0: I would. i definitely say that. I think with our travel experts, I think they're attracted to the family culture and the care that we have. Um, it's not a numbers game. It's quality over quantity. And the same goes for our clients as well, because our travel experts, they whether it's in the leisure space or it's in the corporate space, they're running their own portfolios. So what's considered nine to five isn't maybe nine to five for them. And it's their business. And they will go, pardon the pun, but the extra mile. Not to say someone wouldn't if it's not their business, but you will find that because it is their business and it's what they're providing their family with in terms of an income and so forth, that yeah, it's everything to them. and And they're building their own empire, their own legacy.
2: And I can see as well that with your travel experts, what they are is they have grown up in the industry in all sorts of different businesses, but they are ready for that next step. So what they're ready to do is open the doors of their own business and do things their way with the support and the blueprint, I guess, that you guys have written to show them how to be successful.
0: Yeah, definitely. And thank you for that, AC. I would say that for us, the Blueprint probably originated with Ben's journey. Ben moving from that traditional travel management company into a host agency, doing it all by himself. And we've walked the talk. We get what it takes to do that. And it doesn't matter... How many times somebody says yes to us and we say yes to them, I say it's like a partnership, it's like a marriage, you know, type thing. And uh, it doesn't matter how many times that happens. I'm always so in awe of people that do it, because it's not for the faint-hearted, but it is extremely rewarding. It's a roller coaster ride in the beginning, and you've got to sort mm. of get through that. But I think because we've been through it so many times, we know we're there for them. If that makes sense, we're there for the whole thing. And what we are very good at is helping people convert successful careers into businesses and then helping existing businesses grow. And we've got a lot of examples of being able to do that. I always say there's no glass ceiling, that's hours a mile. You come, because Ben's the ideas man, right? We always say, look, come to us with an idea. We can't say yes all the time. But if it makes financial sense, if there's like a plan around it, if you know, like there's got to be certain criteria, then we'll help you do it. We don't claim to know have all the ideas or know everything, which is why you get a team around you and you want to hear from other people. So I'd say that our now is definitely in that we've brought the talk. We're constantly learning, evolving. We listen to other people. We don't think we get it right all the time, but I think where we have fallen down, you know, once you pick yourself up again, what we do have done well in the past is go, well, what was the mistake? And how can we do that differently next time?
2: Yeah. So you've got a lot of, I don't know, you're quite happy to look in the mirror and learn and move on. And it sounds like you also have quite a flat management structure. Would that be fair to say?
0: Yeah, we do. The way for Thousand Mile to work was that we never wanted to have this really big hierarchy. Where we were paying in a host agency model, I don't think you can do it anyway, but you're not paying all these wages and things like that just unnecessarily. So for us, it was about giving the lion's share back to our travel experts who doing the work, looking after their clients and so forth, but then ensuring that you're also giving the value to the clients as well. So it goes both ways. So it's got, it, it's a partnership. Yeah.
1: So things began in Melbourne. Is Melbourne correct? Right. I mean just you, you're quite a confusing person. <laughs> you 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 sound like me, so you're clearly from the UK. Yeah. You started a business in Melbourne, exactly. you're now in living in Denver.
0: Correct. Yeah, no, it's true. I kind of see myself as a person of the world. I hope that comes out in the right way. But I mean, my <laughs> yeah. fam since I was very young. I had family in South Africa, America. We've got family all over and our parents kind of made the world a really small place. So Mm. I think maybe that has also helped contribute to maybe that confidence level in being able to branch out and live in different countries and, and run a business in different countries as well. But it did all start in Melbourne, as we said around that kitchen table and everything. That that is where it started. And then we had offices in Richmond. And that was our first official office outside of the kitchen table and then had a converted warehouse in Abbotsford. So, yeah, but it, it started in Melbourne and that's where our first travel experts Ooh. were. And then we started to grow into other states in Australia.
1: Now, if you don't mind me saying, some of the things that you've talked about, in terms of what you offer and provide as a network for independent contractors would be some of the things that many of the others would say as well. We support people along the way. We offer this, we offer that. Well, I've, I've done a bit of research and spoken to some of the guys that work with thousand Mm -hmm. mile. Um, and what it's different though, isn't it? Particularly with the corporate side of things. Yeah. And also for some of the guys, I hear that you actually source business for them mm-hmm. uh, and and they share work and that sort of thing. So it really works like a corporate office in some respects.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, that was all part of the founding vision was to have a full corporate offering but in this host agency model because we know that operationally travel consultants, managers coming from that traditional world, They're not always salespeople. They're operational. They're amazing what they do, They're customer service. I think one of our UVPs and points of difference are that we have a leads program. We have a sales team. We're constantly working our pipeline. But what we do a lot in our business, and it's not only a customer to travel expert, it happens in lots of different ways, but we're really good at connecting the dots and connecting the right client to the right travel expert, whether that's from a demographic, a uh, a region, whatever that means, or maybe it's an industry that they this travel expert has worked in mining before, so understands the mining industry and and how that works or or fashion or something. So yeah, but we also have in North America, which we're going to be launching in Australia as well, is a a corporate to leisure leads program, which is like an executive leisure program. So that is already existing and has been for quite some time in in North America, but we're going to be launching that into Australia later this year. We're
1: we're going to move into that international world, seeing as that's where you occupy, clearly, because you're all over the place. But So you you built the beginnings in Melbourne, and, and that started to spread through Australia, but you took that international step, so you now have people in the UK and uh, quite a lot in the US I believe it's 750 people in total which is enormous
0: yeah yeah I know it definitely does sound it doesn't it so we have like our leads that are our travel experts or ICs and then there are subcontractors as well within their businesses so uh, or some have employees so I guess what we do is again it's about helping their businesses grow So those 750 are made up of both the lead IC and also Ah, the subcontractor. But, you know, still, I guess for us, yeah, it's about, um, again, it sounds like there's a lot in there, but it's still a quality over quantity. So we do have criteria to come into Thousand Mile Travel Group. And you'll see that, especially in Australia, where the average number of years in the industry is probably 15 years, maybe more, within Thousand Mile Australia. So that is potentially something that is also different as well about us. I take my hats off to those that are new to industry and they start their own business. But for us, it's about you're the expert, you know how to book travel, we're here to help you run a travel business uh, versus teaching you how to book travel.
2: When was the time that you thought, right, did you just sit around the kitchen table again and say, right, the UK needs us, let's go? Or, you know what, babes, I want to go and live on a mountain <laughs> in the middle of Colorado. How are we going to take this to the United States?
0: Is that sort of what happened? of Our founding vision was to be in three regions, which was Australia, the UK and the US. So that was 10, 11 years ago, we decided that. It wasn't about having global domination by any means, but it was a global footprint. And it was partly for us to achieve that for ourselves. We wanted to do that. But also I think that to have that global network and that buying power that can help support each of the regions, if that makes sense. So we've seen that already in different areas within 1,000 mile where we've got something in one market and then we're able to leverage off of it in another.
2: Hong Kong Tourism Board have entered into a partnership with Offloaded and we are going to talk about the top eight ways to experience the very best of Hong Kong over the rest of the series. I'm so excited that this destination has opened again for us all to enjoy. It was closed for a little bit longer than the rest of the globe after COVID and is more recently emerging as one of the best destinations in Asia for Australians to travel to.
1: Yes, I've got to put a disclaimer in because I have recently been to Hong Kong. I mean, you're the advisor, you get to go everywhere, but I've recently been there and my wife is from Hong Kong. So I've been there quite a few times. When I go, I normally stay in the residential areas though and visit friends and family. So I don't get to see a lot of the highlights from there. How many times have you been, Ace?
2: Oh, I've would been four or five times, both as a precursor into a mainland China trip that I did with my mum back in 1999, first time that I went there, and it was just mind-blowing. Primarily as yeah. stopovers to and from Europe, and it is one of my favourite stopover cities for sure. Just the ease of getting in and out of the airport, it's just such a great destination for a quick stopover when you need to rest and recharge en route to other
1: places like Europe. Yep, yeah, and they've given us uh, a number of things that we will talk about. I think the first one we're going to do is the Victoria Harbour skyline, which is oh, yeah, which is as iconic as it is dazzling. Experience that on a junk boat or aboard the famous Peak Tram, or yep. walking along the Shimshojo Promenade.
2: Is that how you pronounce that? I always thought it was pronounced Shimshatsu.
1: Yeah, you were wrong. It's it, it, <laughs> to be frank. <firm, laughs> I right was. I don't know how else to put that. Uh, it's Chim Sha Joe the, and I've just realized when I said that, that I'm going to look really clever throughout this uh, series, which I you love.
2: Ah, you've got that insider access to all of the pronunciations, yes. which I love.
1: I found that when I go there, my accent sounds like I know a lot of Cantonese, so I say a few words and they think I speak Cantonese, so they speak Cantonese to me and I don't understand a word they say. That's pretty much how my trips to Hong Kong. I well, love it. So, and each time, I think I want to add something of my own to each one of these. Yes, we'll talk about the harbour, but I'm going to chuck in one of my favourites, and that is pineapple buns. If you, okay. Yes, if you've been to Hong Kong, if you've not experienced pineapple buns, there is another reason for you to go there, and we will maybe talk about that next time.
2: Okay. Well, I definitely haven't experienced pineapple buns, so I'm going to pop that on my list, yep. as well as Hong Kong's Victoria Harbour Skyline. Indeed, the official one.
1: Official, yes. unofficial. Love it. Let's go back to the interview.
2: Perfect i'm also interested to know where that personal confidence comes from to know that one from the get-go you wanted to be global and obviously that was part of your vision and you guys worked to your plan but there are a lot of exceptional travel businesses in australia that are quite happy to just play in this pond and not many of them have made the leap or a couple of them have tried and not been as successful so do you know where that confidence comes from is it potentially
0: because you are working as a couple and that you, like you're driving this together as a team? That's definitely part of it. I think Ben and I will always say that we couldn't have done this without each other. We're very different people who want the same thing, which I guess is like marriage as well, but we want the same outcome, but we have different ways of getting there. So yeah, I think you're right. I think Ben is definitely more the risk taker. I'm more like need to tick the boxes and the strategy and things like that. But, you know, I think we've given each other the confidence over the years and the different milestones and the relationships you make along the way and who you meet and then you're constantly planning and constantly networking and constantly talking to people and each bit I think is edging you closer to that ultimate goal. And sometimes you never really know Am I going to get there? Have I, you know, you know when you've got there, I guess, but you know, then it's the next thing, isn't it? I think we are very driven and ambitious people, but I think as well, for me, the world's always been a small place. I lived in three countries by the time I was sixteen, so there's probably that side of things as well. Whereas Ben, Ben's a Castlemaine boy from Victoria and lived in the same house till he was eighteen, so come from very different backgrounds (laughs) so but I think that's probably part of it as well with that sort of confidence
1: I want to ask you I'm sure a lot of people might want to know the answer to this Mm. of what works in Australia how much of that can be sort of plugged and played into the US market so Mm. you developed your business here and then you go over and get involved in the, I I'm, mean, I'm the UK as well, but I'm particularly, you, there's a large number of people in the US. Right. So how much of it is, is it 80%, is it 90%? Obviously the humans as advisors are the same people, but the market conditions, yeah. the, maybe the technology or the expectations of travelers or whatever it might be, may be different. And I was curious to know what that's like for
0: you. Mm. Yeah, it's a really good point. But how best to answer this? I think it's probably a couple of different things. I think one, you've got to do your research first, which we absolutely did, especially for America. I mean, not to say I worked in the UK and traveled, so I, I knew the landscape mm. and things like that already. But I think America is a different beast. And whilst the host agency model is very ingrained in the culture, it's also flooded as well. And it's extremely competitive, but you've got to know your value too. So I don't necessarily think that just because one's doing one, you, shouldn't, you should not do that. But I think you can't come in gung-ho and think that I'm going to do this and it's necessarily going to work. I think you've got to do your research. You've got to understand what the pain points are. Um, how can you carve out your own space within such a competitive market. And then you've got to go for it, I guess. Um, so, and that's kind of what we've done. I mean, we've been there for 18 months now. We've brought in technology. We've done a lot, like in a very short space of time. I think we'll start to see the fruits of our labor coming off like in the next financial year. So, so it's just like, just plant the seed and let's see if, where we go from here. I think so. Yeah. You constantly got to get, you need like ambassadors as well. You need people on in, in different spaces to ask questions and go, what do you think about this? Is this going to work? What do you need? What do you want? Like we're always speaking to our travel experts across the world to go, is this going to work for you? What do you need? What's challenging? You know, it's so, we're not saying that we always have the answer. And sometimes when we think we have the answer, we don't have the answer. Like, you know, we've got to take a consultative approach. And sometimes what we get told works and sometimes it doesn't. And sometimes we go with our original plan and our thought. But I think it's about being open to go, okay, well, you know, like you say, each market is different. Uh, you've got to speak to those locally within the market. That's from like a partner side to a ic side to like like you know so many different realms to see okay well how's this going to work
1: when i was doing my research talking to one or two of your um people um one of them is nick i'm sure nick anson won't mind me mentioning him Mm -hmm. um he told me that he has coaching calls with you uh, or he has done in the past and you set goals and this is very much your personal strength i'm not going to ask you to to um expand on all that personal thing because you're you're british and you probably won't like to do that but (laughs) but he that's what he told me and i was very curious as you get bigger and bigger and bigger Mm -hmm. how much of your your original values when you set up the business your coaching your ethos can you spread once the network gets into the hundreds yeah. and, and many hundreds how much of that can you retain
0: yeah it's a really good point I think you know over the years you go through different growing pains and so forth um which a lot of um growth businesses will talk about and you can reflect back and go okay what worked what didn't again but I think for me As we've scaled, the biggest thing is about how do I impart this knowledge, this blueprint, this formula to my team to then be able to administer what has constituted the success or, you know, part of Thousand Mile. So I think that that's probably been, well, that has been part of what Ben and I have been working on over the past couple of years is instilling that information into others um so that they can continue to do that as well but you know we still I guess we love our we love what we do and we love our travel experts um so we love to you know chat with them and help where we can but we know that we obviously there's only 24 hours in everyone's day so there's only so much we can do so I think that's where you've got to you know you've got good a good team around you who can do that as well and give that to give that to the network
2: yeah but i can definitely mm. see when you're talking about your people sort of there's mm. a level of passion there and i know with your background in education obviously you were in charge of training i think it just is that natural Part of your d your DNA. I mean, it's obviously the travel as well, but it is that imparting your knowledge mm. and your expertise on it as well. Because it's interesting to me. How long were you mm. a frontline consultant for? That's a good
0: question. Maybe twelve years.
2: Okay, so uh, so long enough to sort of know. And I and I, I know you know as yeah. we're we're both from the flight center. Hall of Fame people. <laughs> that hang, on, that hang, on, hang on, I'm going to check that front
1: No, stop, stop. I'm going <laughs> to. Ch- I'm going ch- to. I don't know if you have a Hall of Fame there, Flight yeah. Centre, if you're listening, but I'm going to check if you are actually in the Hall of Fame. Sorry, carry on.
2: Yeah, I was the first Hall of Famer for Travel Associates. Thanks very much. That's amazing.
1: Every time I speak to someone who was ex Flight Centre, you were the uh, not you, yeah, but they were the you know the consultant of the year. They went to global. Oh Wait. no,
2: but you know what. But Nicola found her husband at Flight Centre, so That's it's a little different. bit different. <laughs> and you know what? It's funny. After we chatted the other day, I actually thought, I wonder if Flight Centre actually do have any statistics around how many marriages that they've facilitated oh, over the years.
0: I turn. I mean, you have to say thank you for that. Like, do you, know I mean? <laughs> like you do. Yeah.
1: You know, I tell you what, I don't know what's happened today, but Ace is all about love and family. I not you to that? And I'm and I'm being the business head, which is yeah. well, You
2: are, but that's okay. We yeah. wear different hats and that's okay. that's yeah, fine. Yeah. And I am going to apologize if anyone can hear my dog going off in the background. I oh, think that the mailman worry. just went past before and she went absolutely nuts. So
1: <laughs> I didn't hear it. I I will try and edit it out so our dear listeners don't have to listen to that. So I want to talk about, so, so you're involved with CTM, which for anyone listening is corporate travel management, which is a company, not a thing, even though it's a thing, if that makes any sense. So, so CTM are a very large corporate business and they became involved with the company. So I wanted to ask you, you know, most people set up a business like yours with an exit plan, or they at yes. least in the back of their mind thinking uh, we at some stage, we will need an exit plan to be able to sell this business mm. or or move on or whatever. It appears mm. to me that You've already found that. And that information that you've garnered over that time would be very interesting to people who are on a different place on their journey with their business. And what what have you taken out of that? And what do you think other people can take out of your story? Yeah. And I'll mention about love and family as well, if you like. You can you feel free. I have, yeah, they're they're I know. not they're not two separate conversations, just so you know.
0: No, no, no. That's that's all good. Yeah. So I guess much to your point, Richard, we set the company up. As though we were going to sell it, not that we thought we would. It's always been about growth, growth, growth for us. And then the trajectory changed when COVID hit because we were living in the UK because we were there trying to grow the UK business and then ended up thinking we were going back to Australia for four weeks. I packed a, a suitcase and then we got stuck for two years. So life changed for everybody, but mm. um, it changed very quickly. And we were then like, okay, well, how do we survive COVID? And it wasn't just about how do we survive as a family? How does Thousand miles survive more to the point? Because we have people relying on us like Nick, um, Nick Anderson. So we were like, how do we survive? And then how do we thrive? So once we got to the survival and like, you know, none of us knew when it was going to end, we then started to look at, okay, how do we get back to the trajectory we were on prior to COVID? And we knew that we could probably still do it by ourselves, but we were years behind now because mm. of COVID. Mm. So that's when we started to go, right, well, what does this look like? Do we look at investment? Do we do this? So we started to put pitch decks together. We pitched to some of the largest venture capitalist companies in the world. I think we were up at 3am pitching to India, Singapore, the US. Can, can I just <laughs> you stop know? you there? That that,
1: that yeah. must be a moment in life doing that. You are two guys who started a, a, you know, a travel agency, a flight center, who are now pitching to venture capitalists. Uh, that's fascinating.
0: I can still see us sitting in this house that wasn't ours, down the Mornington Peninsula, trying not to wake up, I don't even know how old they were then, a three- and five-year-old, because we didn't have our third child by then because we had a COVID baby. And, (laughs) you know, just to add to it all. Yeah, of course, of course. Why not? Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, why not? I know. We are, yeah, I know. Like, we're gluttons for punishment and things like that. But anyway, I guess through that journey, the realisation we came to was that it wasn't the solution for us, even though we had some real interest because – we didn't want to sell our soul and we weren't ready. And we were like, okay, even though this is going to be harder, we're just going to keep going. And there were other conversations we had with other companies that approached us like travel companies and things like that. But again, we were like, you know what? No, we're not ready. We know we can do this. But then CTM got in touch with us to do with a technology conversation because we had a shared interest in Tremada. We used Tremada. They bought Tremada and they wanted to talk to us about being one of the first tech partners in Australia. But that conversation really quickly grew into a different one. It grew into something a lot more about Thousand Mile becoming the IC arm to CTM and the SME arm to CTM. So we met Jamie Ferris, who's the founder Mm. of CTM. And honestly, it was like the values just aligned. Yeah. And sometimes when it's easy, it's meant to be. Yeah. And I think everything is got to make financial sense. But, you know, everyone's in the business of people, right? And you've got to connect as well. And we did connect. But I think he really loved the model. And he's like, I don't know about this model. And, you know, we're like, that's why we've got it. <laughs> so, um, and yeah, that was, yeah, that was like a twenty twenty one, twenty two, and then oh wow, so right in the depths of the of the panny D. Wow, okay, really was, yeah. So that was twenty one, twenty two. Again, I think I was pregnant with our third, but yeah, I don't know. Like they say, I guess the rest is history. But we've now been in the Ctm family for just over eighteen months. So, we're coming up to
2: the end of our podcast, which is always a little bit sad. And I've really enjoyed this chat. And it's very clear that not only are you a powerhouse as a couple, but you're a bit of a powerhouse yourself. I don't think Ben's Ken to your Barbie, but I think- <laughs> <laughs> can we say that? Like <laughs> your Barbie, he's just Ken. That's very unkind, seeing he's the visionary. But anyway, but I also know. From personal experience, that nobody's ever built a travel business without a whole heap of drama. Mm. And that's regardless of the pandemics. So, yeah. I, I mean, have you had days where you've woken up and thought, oh my God, how? And, and I'm not even talking the pandemic, like just you've woken up in Denver, you've got the kids Denver, you're giving Denver, them cereal in the morning, the luggage is everywhere, and you're like, holy shit, what have we done? Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. I think,
0: I mean, God, I, I, I think I'd definitely be lying if I said we didn't. And I'm sure loads of people have those days. You've got your why and why are we doing this and things like that. And, you know, a lot of it is your ambition, but the little people and a lifestyle and things like that. But we've got a global company now. So we work on global time zones as well. I sort of sometimes see the regions as my children. There's always someone that's not quite happy or there's something, you know, that you wake up to or there's something, but I think that's all part of it, isn't it? It's all part of the journey and so forth, but there's definitely been moments. I mean, I had to single-handedly get our IATA in Australia years ago and oh my God, I could write a book on it, on how to get an IATA and what not to do. I got our ATOL license in the UK. I mean, these things, it's so bureaucratic. And I don't wish that upon anyone. And people obviously do it. But I think that because we have been a startup and we've worn almost every hat in our business, there's a lot of reward because of it. But yeah. It's definitely days or moments. And you do take it all. Like you care so much because it's another baby. Like I always say, a thousand miles is the baby before the babies and everything. So we do really care. Yeah.
1: Uh, final thing then. We want to look forward not backwards that's one of the themes of, yeah. of what we do with this podcast is that And where do you see your future and what for you is success and the reason I ask that is is it the relentless growth you've mentioned growth yourself during this chat is it relentlessly charging towards growth or and this is the key bit you you advocate that work-life balance to all the people that work with you is your life about maintaining that so you can have the life you want? You are talking to us from a luxury ski lodge in the rocky. Yeah, um, that's
0: true. That's true. Is it your luxury um, ski
1: lodge? Did we cover this? I don't think we did. Yeah, but, I
0: know. Look, I'm not gonna, I can't claim the luxury ski lodge, I'll be honest, it's my own. <laughs> but, I wanted to you know. make it sound
1: as glamorous as possible. But oh, yeah. I
0: know, very glam. No, it is, you know, it's very glam. Yeah. I what would I say? I think in terms of the balance I and mean, everything, yeah, I mean. For us, it's definitely lifestyle. It's not just a lifestyle for our travel experts and our people. It's a lifestyle that we're creating for ourselves and for the kids and so forth. Our kids have now grown up in three countries and they're nine. No, what are they? Eight, I don't even know how old they are. A, <laughs> eight, one seven of them's nine. Two. We
1: know that one of them's nine because it's the same age as ours. Yeah, they're turning
0: nine. So we've got an eight-year-old, yep. a seven-year-old next week, and then a two-year-old. So they've, they, you know, two of them have already lived in three countries, and one's lived in two countries. So the the experiences they're getting are phenomenal. Mm. But for me, as a mum and business person and a mum, I do want my kids to grow up in one place. So I feel like, whereas now they a lot of experience, a lot of moving and things like that, there'll come a time that we won't be on the move as much as we are now and we'll be a little bit more static. To all oh, those
2: teenage years that you've got coming ahead Ooh. that I'm about to go into as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. But you know what also strikes me about every phenomenal businesswoman that we speak to on this is that mm-hmm. the example that you're setting to your kids about yeah. that I still can't believe in 2024 we still have to – encourage girls Mm. in the workforce like it's quite bizarre to actually say to have your mum as a role model who works that it's just normal and awesome and well well, that's what mummies do they just work it's quite Mm. strange isn't it I'm pretty sure that you're inadvertently setting that amazing example I can't even imagine what it would be like for me to have you know grown up with a mum and dad collaborating on an amazing business like they must be and how
0: spoiled are our kids like in all seriousness. (laughs) Especially those born in travel, let's be honest, <laughs> they're so spoiled and they don't even know it. I try and drill it into them and everything. But yeah, no, I do, I do think that I hear them say things that they would not say if their parents didn't run a business. They talk about their own businesses, the pitch decks, and things. That, yeah, well, yeah. they talk about their own businesses. Max's golf ball business. I don't know. Like, he's got this golf ball business now that he's gone and collected a hundred, <laughs> two hundred golf balls, but he's got to clean them.
1: That's what I. That's how I them. started out in life. I used to go to the golf club. Yeah, we. Yeah. My mum and dad lived next to a golf course. I used to go and yeah. collect all the balls and sell them back to yeah. the club. I was rich. Yeah,
2: that's what Max does. I, but, <laughs> what, yeah. Yeah,
1: exactly I mean,
0: that. Yeah. you know. I, I love that entrepreneurial you, yeah. spirit. Entrepreneurial yeah, spirit. it really is. I think so, I think. Hang on, I'm not it, a
1: successful businessman. Something went wrong.
0: Oh, I don't know about that. But yeah, <laughs> I who's to know what the future is? But I think business people to parents, you're just trying your best and everything. You've got your vision, you've got your goal. But it is, it's a constant balance. And the scales sometimes tip this way and sometimes they tip that way. But I, I am very good at, creating boundaries my children are everything to me I always wanted a family and so weekends are about the kids bedtime bath time because we're still in that zone homework time Mm. it's the kids and then you have to do some work afterwards you do some work afterwards you just got to work it out
2: yeah and I used to always say sometimes there's weeks where the wheels just fall off that wagon and you just got to put them on
0: and keep on chucking. <laughs> they do. Sometimes they totally fall off, and it takes a bit longer to put them back on. And yep. you kind of got to be kind to yourself.
1: We'll just close up. Yeah. Ben obviously hasn't featured this podcast. He is doing yes, bedtime no. and bath time while you're doing this interview. Yeah is that correct?
0: Yes, he is. I mean, I'm hoping that that has all come to a close and it's now a sleep time, <laughs> so, but yeah. we will see. I know, I know how see. it works.
1: You'd love to come in. Are you, oh, you're finished. Okay, great. I've
0: just, I've just swooped <laughs> in at the end. Yeah. <laughs> all
1: right. Well, thank you so, so, so much for coming. I, I, I think you. it's been a, a real eye opener and particularly I, oh. what I didn't realize before we spoke was that we've got really two travel consultants who have look at this look at what you're doing now and of course we always have these ups and downs in travel and I've tried to make you out like this glamour person who lives in a lodge and but uh, it's not it's not all like that but what a story what a great story And thank you for thank telling you. it to us
0: oh, yeah. I really appreciate being on here thank you so much to both of you yeah it's been awesome and I know that
2: people are really going to love this chat yes I've loved it too uh, first okay. international
1: podcast brilliant so yeah Ooh. yes Oh,
2: we're so fancy i know i know it does some fancy yes.
1: all, all right well thanks so much and we'll, we'll i think we might come back and revisit you in a couple of series time and yeah
0: love that. i think yeah. i think
1: this will be uh one that people will want to hear well what happened next you know what um, happened
0: next yeah there's always a story mm. all right
1: and you probably have took a few more kids by then but well don't answer that don't answer that she's got the fingers up the no
2: like like vanishing (laughs) a vampire
0: (laughs) all right no the shop is
1: closed (laughs) uh right okay nicola veltman thank you nick veltman indeed thank you so much for your time and we'll catch you you. again i hope
0: yeah lovely thank
1: you all right bye thanks nick bye bye all right well thanks so much for joining us i hope you'll join us next time when we're speaking to quentin long uh, from me richard taylor and Catherine jones and i also want to say thanks to our helpers lisa maroon anya Vokmiakova, and chris finesa bye